Hello and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me today are two community and business leaders from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Please help me welcome Tony and Liz Romanek. Welcome to Self Made. Thank so you. happy to have you all here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the purpose of this show is to really let our viewers understand the journey that you've had to your success. So to really set the stage for that, I would like to start in your early years. Tell me about your childhood, where you grew up, and what your childhood was like. Oh, interesting question. Well, I grew up in Bassfield, Mississippi, a very rural community. Um, I had a fun, exciting childhood. Um, my dad was the band director at the high school, so... I was exposed to a lot um, in the area, and then my mom um, was a hairstylist. So um, I got exposure, I guess, both ways with um, in the internal community of Bassfield, and then the, the local Pine Belt is what we call it. So I, I think I ended up a social butterfly because of that. Now, what about siblings? How many siblings did you have? And well, what like? I have five brothers, and I am the only girl. So it's a total of six of us. So quite interesting. I had to be tough growing up. <laughs> Tony, what about you? Well, I'm originally from New Orleans. I'm the oldest of 18 kids. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I grew up half my life in New Orleans, half my life in Bassfield, Mississippi. Okay. And so growing up, my dad's a carpenter. Mom was a hairstylist, mostly stay-at-home uh, mom as, yeah. as well. Um, mom separated from dad, moved to Bassfield. And that's where I learned really to... to um, I think for myself and and fend really for myself right. and um, almost be like a, a, a surrogate daddy to my siblings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of responsibility at, at an early age. Um, my grandfather, who um, was a major part of my life, um, handicapped in a wheelchair. And I remember I used to have to, during the middle of the night, in third, fourth grade, um, help him get to the bathroom. Wow. And um, and get up and go to school the next day. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, so major responsibility at, at you know at a young age, but it, it helped shape me for being who I am today. So, what is it like having eighteen <laughs> siblings? I mean, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. Um, you know, um, I grew up in a house with el with eleven. Yeah, and. Um, Wow. And so it's fun. I mean, we, How you many know, bedrooms? Man, two to three. Yeah. Wow. So um, the most we ever had was four later on in life. Yeah. But, you know, early on, about two bedrooms. Wow. And so, you know, we, we stacked up in, in. So you had the boys room and the girls room. Yeah. Or the boys <laughs> dorm and the girls dorm. <laughs> <laughs> and so. And I was El Capitano. I, you know, I had <laughs> yeah. to make sure everybody was, you know, everybody was straight. And um, uh, so, man, we would sit up sometimes all through the night and tell jokes to entertain each other. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was fun. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, high school. Where did you all meet? Because I, I know Liz, you're from Bassville as well, correct? Yes. So how did y'all meet? I'll let her tell this. Well, story. we actually met in when we were in third grade. You're gonna get grade. your version too. You see they matched. <laughs> <laughs> we actually met in third grade when he first um, came to the school. I noticed him because he stood out because he had on some shoes that were orange and they were too big. And he had an afro and huge ears. And <laughs> <laughs> we were in the cafeteria and I saw him standing there and I'm like, who is this boy? And he looked quite 
strange but shy, you know. And I was kind of picking on him. But um, time flew on, and I think he never, he never let that go, that he knew that I was picking on him. <laughs> <laughs> What's your recollection, Tony? <laughs> it, it's exactly like that. I remember I was third grade, just moved from New Orleans, and I was missing home. And they would line you up down the hall to go to the cafeteria. And my mom, because there's a lot of us, it didn't, it didn't matter what size shoe you wore. You just got the shoe that was on sale. <laughs> and I had some shoes that was too big for me and they were orange. <laughs> and she took advantage of laughing at me, man. And, and um, so it was my first interaction with her yeah. in third grade. Fast forward, um, we were in a couple of classes together in the fifth grade and sixth grade, but I really don't really remember. But we didn't start dating until... I mean, by senior year in high school. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The first day of our senior year, be specific. <laughs> so what were your biggest challenges growing up? Uh, you know, obviously, five brothers, oh. 18 siblings. What, what were your biggest challenges? Growing up, I guess for me, um, I guess trying to learn how to be self-sufficient. Um, my parents ended up separating when I was in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And we chose, well, I guess we didn't, I can't say we really chose, but we stayed with our dad. Yeah. So I had to pick up and learn how to really be um, the mother of the home and clean and cook and, you know, and, and um, survive for myself and teach yeah. myself how to do everything. So there were a lot of things that I missed and did not get to learn um, until actually I got with Tony because he was so responsible and knew so much more. He taught me a whole lot of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the difficult part for me growing up. I think it's, when they separated. Yeah. What about you, Tony? Man, that's a, that's a good question. I had a lot of difficult things yeah. um, that I really didn't know was difficult until later on in life. Yeah. And um, what, but what I realized later on in life, growing up really without my dad present all the time. And uh, I realized, and I remember having a conversation with him. Um, I was about 36 at the time. And I said, Dad, I... I never really felt the connection with you growing up. And uh <laughs> and my dad, man, he he funny guy, man. He said he said, man, look, he said, I don't have a connection with none of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he meant. He didn't mean it how it sounded. Right. Um, but man, just not have not being sure of a lot of things growing up. Right. You know, how to tie a tie, you know. Um so when self-doubt creeps in, somebody to tell me I had what it take you know, to make it. So there's a lot of things that, that like that, yeah. that, uh, that was difficult for me growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to me about um, now. Let's kind of fast forward to now. I know that both of you all are doing things uh, in your community to make a difference in the lives of people of, of color, mm -hmm. um, a lot of which uh, experienced the same challenges that you all had as, as a child, which are no different uh, than the ones I had myself. Uh, so talk to me about some of the things you're doing in the community uh, to help serve the people. Well, for me, I, um, I have a heart for tween girls. And I think for me, um, the reason why my heart was so centered toward them is because I remember myself being 10 and 11 years old and had a whole lot of questions I wasn't comfortable with yeah. asking my mom. And I know we had a gym teacher who taught us about our bodies and stuff like that growing up. So I um, started a nonprofit called Blossoms and Butterflies because at that age, that's when you are really developing into a young lady right. and you're growing um, 
physically and also um, in your mind as well. And so I said I wanted to do something to help these little girls know that it's okay to ask the tough questions. You have people like me who experience some of those, th those same feelings and it's okay. Um, your body's gonna go through changes. You're gonna feel less than sometimes. Um, and I wanted them to know that I have your back and I will put people in place to also um, help you and who can also relate you know, right. to, the, to those things as well. Tony, I know you're doing a lot as well, so talk to me about some of the initiatives you are uh, leading in your community. Okay, well, one of my labor of love is called Linked Up. Linked Up is an empowerment center where we uh, want to empower people. Um, I realize that uh, there's a lot of people who are gifted and talented, but really don't have a, a direction. Um, there's a lot of men who's leading households who are not confident as leaders in the household because there's some basic skills that are missing, just really manhood skills. Right. Um, you know, even beyond tying a tie, but what do I say to my son? What do I say to my daughter? Um, uh, how, how to manage money. Right. Right? I make it, but I really don't know how to manage it. And because I don't know how to manage it, um, I, I, I don't take the role that I need to take to um, uh, really bring the discipline that I need to take because I don't feel the authority to discipline yeah. because who am I to discipline? But the empowerment center helps them um, understand their role as a man, right? And so as a man, and then also the empowerment center helps them understand their role with money because a lot of times um, if I don't make enough, I don't feel like I could discipline. And if I make it but don't know what to do with it, I don't feel like I could discipline. Yeah. So how do I see money as a tool? How do I see money as a resource to do good with? Right. So money uh, is beyond just understanding the mathematics of it, but the mindset of it, the discipline that it takes. Right. And so and then finally, um, the spiritual side of things. Right. It all goes back to in God's ideal for uh, running the earth started with his institution with family first, even before his church. I'm also a reverend, right? right? I serve on staff at a church called West Point Baptist Church. I'm responsible for staff strategy and church budget, right? And the church is many layers to it, right? The first layer is the self, the self vivid piece. When you talk about where we're gonna spend eternity at, and we spend a lot of time on that. But there's two other pieces that I see we don't spend a lot of time on, which is social justice. Right. Financial justice, mm -hmm. which is why it led me to birth the nonprofit linked up yeah. to handle the social justice and the financial justice. Right. And so in a nutshell is to bring the power back to people and what brings power to people. What gives them confidence is first their competence. Yeah. Let me help you be competent in right. something. Right. And you can walk a little taller then, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so in a nutshell, that, that's what the Empowerment Center is, leading through financial education first. Um, opportunities for home ownership. Yeah. Opportunities for entrepreneurship. And then finding the opportunity to have a relationship with a mainstream bank and not to pay their lenders. Right. You know, right. And not the pawn shops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up, man. I, I, I used to use that pawn shop as a bank. <laughs> VCR, pawn. <Right>. Nintendo, <laughs> pawn. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That was the bank back in the day for that us. That was the bank. <laughs> but you said something that um, triggered a thought in me. Um, 
really a self-reflection, and that's about the competence uh, component. A lot of times when I'm going into rooms with hundreds of people that I'm talking to or going into meetings with, you know, boards, uh, whether it's cities, counties, uh, colleges, sometimes people say, you know, are you nervous? Yeah. And I say, no, like, this is what I, this is what I live for. Like, yeah. and, I, and, and I know that that comes from my confidence right. that I'm competent in the area that I'm, I'm going to uh, speak on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when you said that, it triggered that thought of me that that's a very important uh, thing to point out mm -hmm. is that if you are competent in, a, in, a, in an area, mm -hmm. then you're gonna stand tall mm -hmm. and be confident because you know that you control uh, that space. Mm -hmm. But Liz, I'm going to pivot over to you and talk about Magic Hand Salon. Yes, um, that's my baby. That's your baby. It's a, yeah. it's a very elegant, upscale uh, salon, and so I want to hear more about it. So, um, as you heard earlier, my mom is a hairstylist, so I was highly inspired by my mom. I grew up, you know, shampooing, being her assistant, and, you know, I saw some things that... Um, I could probably change um, when I decided to open up my own. Actually, when I went to school, I always said that I wanted to be just the owner or either an owner of the cosmetology school. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to do the hair side. But the entire time I was in school and working, you know, I was doing hair on the side. So I decided to go to cosmetology school and um, did great at it. And um, we opened up the salon in 2001, um, got a small business loan, um, expanded our first home that we bought at 22 and 23 years old, and closed in our carport and shot our first commercial wow. for Magic Hand Salon right there at the house. And um, we always decided that we were gonna run it as a professional business, um, no matter where the location was. And I think that exuded um, into, um, our movements, um, we moved into a, um, a building, yeah, a commercial building about a year and a half later, we outgrew it so fast because we ran it very professionally. Yeah. And um, we had roles um, in place from the start, you know, what I was great at, what was he gonna be great at? And we decided to work as a team because, you know, being a salon owner, you can't do everything. Um, you gotta have somebody that can help assist you and um, with the help of Tony, we got our roles established, how we were going to run our business. And um, it's been going great. We've been able to really be a blessing to probably over 25 stylists um, within the 20 year span that we have been open, um, who's kind of rotated in and out and have been, some have opened their own, some have moved to other states to work in other salons. And I still have great relationships with a lot of those stylists. And um, to this day, um, I'm still mentoring stylists. We call ourselves a teaching salon. And so we try to grab students straight out of cosmetology school yeah. and start them out. Um, as a stylist aide, and they work their way up to a master stylist, and then we get you ready to go out and open your own if that's what you want to do. Wow. <laughs> and Tony, I know that you um, leave, uh, lean a lot on spirituality, mm -hmm. uh, and you are a reverend, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and you're with uh, West Point uh, Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about West Point Baptist, uh, what you all do, uh, not just as a church, obviously, but in the community, and then why faith is so important to you? Wow, man, great question. So um, 
I'll answer why faith is more is important to me than I'm going to West Point Church. So um, as we talked about earlier, um, growing up, uh, there's a lot I didn't understand. Um, I didn't understand the rules to, to life and um, bumped into um, a guy named Marcus and uh, Marcus um, started sharing with me the faith. Right. And he was really the only guy who can answer my questions practically about faith. Yeah. Prior to him, um, reverends and pastors would just say, well, son, you just got to have faith. I wanted <laughs> to know things. Right? right. And he could he can answer those things. And in answering that, I became to, to know Christ. And with Christ came um, guidelines for life, how to raise the family, how to think about money, how to approach the community. So I started seeing patterns. And so that gave me a foundation. Right. Then from that foundation, um, I fast forward, I became uh, a hired on church staff. And started as a youth pastor and then went to student pastor and then to executive pastor. Um, and um, so the church faith gave me a foundation. Now, West Point Church, uh, man, it's the, the church is a it's a it, it's a practical uh, answer to practical problems in the community beyond even the spiritual. Spiritual is the foundation right. that informs the practical. So, for instance. Gas prices are up right now, you know, five dollars a gallon in South Mississippi. Right. Right. But the wages are still low. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So what we did um, about a week ago, we did a gas buy down. We, we took over three gas stations and paid for gas up front to the gas station and let the community come get a gas a dollar off. Right. Wow. So we brought the gas prices down to four dollars and three dollars for some people. Yeah. For, for like an hour at three different gas stations. Right. Right. Once we went, we took over a school in the low uh, to moderate income community uh, where kids don't have um, things. And we bought that whole school uh, new shoes. Mm -hmm. we, we partnered with a local um, uh, shoe store and um, we, we bought some shoes and, and put shoes on. all. So that's what. That's what West Point, you know, is in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the type of work that impact lives. Yeah. Yeah. The spiritual yeah. piece is, 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 like you say, the foundation. Mm -hmm. But if you if you have that without the work product mm -hmm. to go along with it, mm -hmm. then you really can't successfully impact lives. So I, I, I yeah. like that story. Now, I know you all have three boys. Yes. Right. So talk to me about family, the, the role of family in your lives and how important it is to you. I'll let you go. Man, well, family, family is very important. Um, it's scary, too, yeah. because, you know, we're like first generation successful. And a lot of stats say if you're first generation successful and you're not careful about transferring those principles to the next generation, that generation will take you back to where you came from. Right. Because they experienced the spoils of success, but they don't understand how you. They, they don't understand the what struggle. It took. Right. Yeah. The struggle. And so that's the scary part. And and I really believe that 
that, that family is the foundation for the earth. So goes the family, so goes the world. I think that's why we're in the turmoil we in now, right. because the family has been so diminished. And so growing up, man, the, the easier part, the easy part of raising our sons, we got Tony, Jarius, and Julius. Tony, and all different. Yeah. Yes, Tony majored in theater, minored in business. He's working at Kentucky Shakespeare. I mean, he's, he's doing pretty good. Jarius is athlete. Man, I don't know where he get that. I'm not, I'm not that athletic. Right. <laughs> yeah, so she says. She ran track for one day. <laughs> one day. But she had it in her, though. It was, she, she had it in her. It was in her. Got you, got you, got it. It remains to be seen. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, man, he's an athlete, football player on scholarship at James Madison University. Uh, doing well. And Julius is a budding nutritionist. And he's in college at Pearl River. He want to be, you know, he's an herbalist. He believes the herbs healing the body. They all say they're all different. Yeah. And um, and so raising them at a young age was pretty easy. But when they got older, we just experienced like the blowback, so yes. to speak. Right. <laughs> they kind of like their dad and like their mom. They they strong will. They they determined. Right. And it's good when it's good, but it's bad when it's bad. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I cried my most tears when they moved out of the house. Right. Yeah. I never mm -hmm. cried over them while they were in the house. Yeah. But it grew me up too. Yeah. yeah. It really highlighted how immature I was as a father mm -hmm. when they left. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to lose them. And so we worked on building that, you know, um, rebuilding that relationship. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, with our kids. So and and it's really because we really believe that family is important and right. we want protect their unity at all costs. Right. Liz, you want to add anything? Yeah, I think for me, it was a major adjustment, just um, becoming an empty nester. Because as a mom, you spend your whole life really catering to your children. Right. And um, just for me personally, I know when they all left and moved out, I had to figure out who is Liz. Yeah. You know, who am I and what the what do I like to do? What do I like to enjoy? Right. Because everything I did centered around them. Yeah. And what they had going on. So. I mean, it has been a major adjustment, but I'm adjusting well now, I must say. Um, I got back in school, and I'm, so I'm working on my BS um, in sociology. Um, and I've also, you know, just become heavily involved in the community with my sorority. So I have been doing a whole lot, um, keeping myself busy. Right. But it also matured me, too, because it helped me consider myself, Yeah. you know, I had to put myself first because we have done our jobs. Right. And I had to be okay with what we did with raising them and to let them go and to trust that they were going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tony, tell me, uh, of all the things that you've accomplished to date, uh, what achievements are you most proud of? Wow, man, my boys. Yeah. Man, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the, the proudest uh, achievement, man. I, because all of the years um, putting into them, um, I knew if if I could give them the stuff that I learned late in life, if I can give it to them early. Yeah. Now, they weren't valuing it early. <laughs> but they were getting it. They were getting yeah. it. And they didn't start valuing until they moved out of the house. Yeah. And I, man, and I realized that, that, okay, it's starting to stick, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, 
Learning to pay your bills on time. Right. Mm -hmm. Learning that if you're going to have income, you got to work for it first. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if you're going to work for it, you got to have bring something to the workplace. What's yeah. getting in your head? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. What's your skill sets? And so that's that's my my most proudest. And then second most proudest. I don't know if it's second or first, but being married to this beautiful thing for <laughs> as long as we have. Man, she put up with me, man. <laughs> oh, man, we've been married for this year, make the 21st year. Mm -hmm. And man, I didn't think I was, you know, I was husband material. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm shocked. I get up here. I'm still married. <laughs> so I know it's the grace of God. Man. Right, right. <laughs> Liz, what about you? Um, for, for me, I would say my boys as well. Um, just family. Um, I have always valued family. Um, that has always been most important for me. And so just having a stick and stay is what I'm most proud of. Yeah. Um, because we are still honoring our commitment, even to our marriage, because it hasn't always been good. But we still honor it and we get up and we do it every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of both our boys mm -hmm. and, and us. Right. <laughs> so, Liz, um, as we begin to wrap up the show, I know that you serve as a brand ambassador for a number of uh, products. Uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. Well, oh, goodness. Um, I have a, a lot of different certifications, but I think... Um, my most fun one now would probably be Design Essential. Um, I work, uh, do a lot of stuff with them and um, educate a lot of the clients on their products. Um, very, 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 um, I, I guess I could say conditioning for natural hair. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm excited to see the changes they're going to make. They're always evolving. And um, I'm always trying to get educated and see what else we're going to be doing and learning. Right. Well, it's been great having you on the show. I think that you've said a number of things, uh, Tony and Liz, that uh, I think the viewers can resonate with. I thought about you uh, talking about your boys, about you gave it to them early. They didn't appreciate it. But uh, later in life, they did. Mm -hmm. And I, I have an old saying, I say, if you hang around the barbershop long enough, Eventually, you'll get a haircut. And <laughs> so you just have to keep them, keep them around the barbershop. Yeah. Eventually, they'll, they'll take the leap of faith and sit in the chair and get their haircut. Yeah. It's been a pleasure having you all on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come to Peoria, Illinois, to be on The Self Made with D. Brown CEO. To my viewers, thank you for watching. And remember, without you, there's no me.